His words are spirit and they are life. Do you know what that means? See this? It's not a book. It's an invitation to have a spiritual encounter with God. Jesus is the word, isn't he? And he said, I am the same yesterday, today and forever. That means every scripture, every story, every promise is as fresh today as when it was first uttered or brought about. So that means that when you're listening to a sermon, when you're reading scripture, it's an invitation to have a spiritual encounter. And that's why a lot of people don't receive from the word is they read it like a textbook. It's an invitation to have a spiritual encounter. He says, my words are spirit. So when I read the word, I am ushered into a spiritual encounter. Every story becomes the now of the Lord for me. And as I enter into the spirit, he says, my words are spirit and they release life. 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 You'd smile too if you stood here. So what's going to happen today as I read the word? It's an invitation to a spiritual encounter with God. It's not something that was uttered 2,000 years ago. It's, it's the now word of the Lord to you right now. And you can grab it and make it yours. Did you hear that? And it's all about spiritual perception and hunger. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. And you can have all that you want today. We're going to have a prayer fire tunnel at the end. And let me give you a key. This is what I do. And I break the rules because sometimes they say just go through once. I find a way to go through twice. Because I figure Naaman dipped seven times and then he was made whole. And so some people, they go through, I watch they go through the fire tunnel. Didn't get any. What? No, you go again. And you go again until you get what you came for. And I give you my word. I will keep praying and laying hands on you until you stop coming through the fire tunnel. So be it. Because we want to encounter God. And we should never leave church without coming, without getting what we came for. If you need a breakthrough, get your breakthrough. Amen. If you need a word from the Lord, get your word from the Lord. Amen. Open your mouth, he says, and I'll fill it. It's the same with the baptism of the Spirit. Don't just oh, pray it didn't happen. No. No. Go again. Press in again. Step out in faith. For those that don't yet pray in the Holy Spirit, this is your day. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but I felt God encouraged me to, to share with you, this is your opportunity for your baptism in the Spirit and praying in tongues. And it's so simple. You go, well, it's easy for you to say, no, I did it the hard way so you wouldn't have to. I learned the hard way. I learned what not to do so you could know what to do. And here's the truth. The moment you're born again, Holy Spirit lives in you. Remember, it's like a tank that's full of water and all you have to do is turn the tap on. It's as simple as that. You have to turn your head off, your mind off. And the reason many people don't pray in tongues is because 
they defer to the natural. They want to figure it out in their head. And, and ours is a walk of the Spirit. We are tapping into the realm of the Spirit. It's a step of faith. Like when you were born again, when you said yes to Jesus, you didn't know what you were signing up for. It was a step of faith. And as you did that, God came in and you were born again. It's the same with the baptism. As you open your mouth and utter the sound from your spirit, not from your mind, not English words, stop speaking English. It's not of the mind, it's of the spirit. And so the, as long as you go, praise you, Jesus, pray, you will never be, you'll never pray in tongues. You've got to utter the sound from the Spirit. Well, what does that sound like? Find out. And as you go through the fire tunnel, why don't you take that step of faith and, and say, Lord, you've given me this gift I receive and I begin to speak. And as you go through the fire tunnel, no one can hear you anyway. And you just begin to utter the sound of the Spirit. Just begin to release that. And it'll come out like a little trickle, then a flood, and keep going through until you're fully immersed in the new heavenly language. Amen? Amen. It's that simple. So if you've got your Bibles today, turn to Luke 11, verse 5. We're going to have an amazing day of impartation. You ready to receive? Yes. Are you hungry? Yes. Have I come to the right house? Yes. Good. All right, so I want you to help me in this sermon, in this message. I want you to be engaged. I want you to speak back. I want you to lean in. I want you to be hungry. You know, we had a big meal the other day. We had lots of people at our house. And the sound of eating is amazing. People clunking on their knives and forks and munching on pizza. It's, it's, a, it's a sound of hunger being satisfied. I want that sound here today, spiritually. Amen? Amen. Is anyone hungry? Yeah. Good. Luke 11, verse 5. I want to talk to you today about the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to unpack the gifts of the Spirit in this time that we have before us. This is a passage that I've read out to you a number of times, and it's in my heart. It burns in my heart. And I'm going to use this as a springboard, all right? And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, Which of you shall have a friend? And you go to him at midnight and you say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Say three loaves. Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And the friend answers from within, and says, do not trouble me. The door is shut and my children are with me in bed. Do you picture that? A man comes knocking on the door. I need three loaves. I've got a friend coming from a faraway place. I need to give him some food, three loaves. The man inside says, don't trouble me. The door's shut. The light's off. I'm tired. My jammies are on. My doona's on. My electric blanket's on. I'm all nice and comfy. My children are in bed. I don't want to wake them up. Go away. This is a picture of the church. Do not trouble me, the door is shut. My children are in bed with me. I don't want to rise and I'm not going to give you anything. Verse 8, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence, underlying persistence, the Holy Spirit is incredibly persistent. Did you hear that? You may say no, you may say I'm not ready, but he's coming after you. He's the hound dog from heaven. He's after you today. 
He's relentless in his pursuit because there's somebody coming. Did you hear that? Do you know who's coming? Jesus. He's coming soon. And the Holy Spirit is on red alert because he's preparing the bride of Christ for the return of Jesus Christ. And we will be spotless. We will be holy. We will be we will be functioning in all the gifts of the Spirit. We will have an understanding of all of the kingdom before Jesus comes. I've got children. I picture a bride or a bridegroom for my children. And I want the best for my children. I picture the day, I don't want to embarrass my children, but I picture the day that they walk down the aisle. You know, I don't want my girls marrying some guy who's got holes in his pants, but I guess that's cool now. And... Um, <laughs> You know, I don't want him, you know, he's walking down the aisle and he's, you know, he's, he's playing on his phone like those guys singing on the AFL yesterday while they're supposed to be singing, they're playing on their phone. I want someone focused. I want someone sharp. I want someone with a future. I want someone who's passionate about my daughter. Yeah. Not just any old bozo. I'm not paying for a wedding for some guy just to come along and make a mess of it. And it's the same with Holy Spirit and Jesus. Holy Spirit is going to have a bride that is equal in stature to Jesus. Amen. We're going to walk down the aisle and, and the bride will take away the breath of Jesus and all those that watch. Do you know when the bride comes down the aisle and everyone's watching, like, this is amazing. That's going to be a picture of the saints when we are perfected and ready for Jesus to come. We will be shining in all our glory. And that's what the Holy Spirit's after. He says, but because of his persistence, he will rise and he will give to him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and you will receive. So it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. This parable is a picture of the primary focus of the Holy Spirit. Here's the word of the Lord for God's people today is, Holy Spirit is focused and he wants us focused Amen. on the task that is ahead. No more distraction. I had a word from the Lord yesterday about this. In fact, I was driving down the road and this is how God speaks to me. But I, I was going down East Link and I turned my, my head around to the side and a car goes past me and I, it just caught my attention as it drove past. And on the back of the car, focus. It was a Ford Focus. And that word focus just jumped out at me. And I thought, yeah, the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, it's time for undivided focus as the heart of the Spirit getting us ready for what's about to take place. No more distraction, no more diversion, but we are totally focused on the heart of God and his passion to get us ready for Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. The Holy Spirit's got a friend. His name is Jesus and the time is short, for a day is about to dawn. It's a request in this story of Holy Spirit that three loaves are set before Jesus. And they are a picture of, of the third day church. You know, a day is as a thousand years. We're in the third day or approaching the third day. It's a picture of the three is a number of maturity. It's a picture of the expression of the maturity of the body. It's also a picture of the gifts of the Spirit. See, the first loaf is a picture of the gift of salvation, and that speaks about Jesus' death. The second loaf is a picture about the gift of the Spirit, salvation, sonship. 
So sonship is what the Holy Spirit does. He's a spirit of adoption. He comes to our heart and we cry out, Abba, Father. He heals our heart. He causes us to know that we are loved by the Father. But the third loaf, so it's salvation, sonship, spiritual dominion. That third loaf is about the gifts of the Spirit operating in the life of the church. The gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit. These will be all functioning in the body of Christ. People will be born again. They'll be transformed by the power of the Spirit. And they'll be functioning in dynamic power with all of the gifts operating in the body of Christ before Jesus returns. And the Bible says, Paul says, that all the gifts are given to the body as the Spirit wills. So in every church that honours Jesus, every single gift of the Spirit should be functioning. The nine gifts of the Spirit, as we'll talk about later, are segmented into three areas. And this is what the three loaves are picturing, that will be functioning in all these areas. But the church is in bed with its children. They're a picture, children of our future and our inheritance. We're saying, God, I've got my life worked out. I've got it all mapped out. I'm saving my money. I'm going to have a house, a car. I'm going to get married. And these are all good things. But see, the picture of, of the bed is a picture of the heart. He's in bed with his children. And deep in our hearts, we've got our lives mapped out. We're focused on what we want. And the Holy Spirit says, what about what I want? I'm getting you ready for Jesus. And you've been distracted with what you want. You've got your life mapped out. You're focused on your agenda. He says, but what about my agenda? He's going to keep knocking. You know what? And, and, and many of the things that we do look like they're godly, but there's a selfish agenda attached to it. And our desire is, Lord, what is it that you want? What's on your heart? I'll get out of my bed because it's more important for me to serve your purpose than my purpose. I'm not going to use you and even the benefits that you give me for my agenda. And see, many of the church are doing that. We're blessed. We want the blessings of God, but for our agenda, not his agenda. And God's going to bless us. But first, we seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. What's on your heart? And he says, you know what, when you do that, I'm going to make all these other things added to you. I'll give you more than you could ever imagine because I'm a good, good father. Amen. 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 So the friend said from inside, don't trouble me. The door is shut and my children are in bed with me. But I'm here to say to you again, Holy Spirit is not going to give up. He'll hunt you down. He'll make life difficult if he has to. He'll dry up things that once used to work because he's passionate about getting you ready for the sun. And let me tell you something. There is no other place of true fulfillment than being aligned with the purposes of God for your life. Sorry, 134 times in Scripture, it says, And they will know that I am God. And not once is this phrase used in Scripture where it doesn't first follow, so it doesn't follow God displaying his great power. The number one way God gets the glory, listen, the number one way God gets the glory is by displaying his power through you. And he has an agenda. He wants the bride functioning 
in all of the gifts of the Spirit. They're not optional. God wants the body powerful and militant and breaking through. So when Jesus comes, he's not coming as the meek and mild lamb. He's coming as the mighty warrior, as the son, as the king of kings and lord of lords. He's looking for a bride that has learnt to overcome as he has overcome. Amen. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. It says this, pursue love. And earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So look at me. What's your focus in life? Paul just gives us two things. Pursue love. Encounter the heart of the Father. Love him. Let him love you. And then earnestly desire spiritual gifts. When was the last time you thought about all the gifts of the Spirit? This was an apostolic command. This wasn't a command just for the pastor's. Wasn't a command for those who go to Bible college. This was a command for the entire body of Christ to passionately desire spiritual gifts. To passionately desire, fervently desire spiritual gifts. We can be passionate about so many things in life. But here Paul makes it really clear. Your passion needs to be red hot for a love encounter with God and for other people and to passionately desire the gifts of the Spirit because it's the power encounters with God that, sorry, with, with God displayed to people that bring glory to His name. And the Bible says that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth and it can never cover the earth unless there are power encounters that display His glory. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. God wants us to understand how the gifts of the Spirit operate. He wants us to know what what gifts we are to function in personally. He wants us to be familiar with it. He wants us to desire it, to work it into our lives. Paul says, I do not want you ignorant concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to what? To each one. Is there someone here today that doesn't qualify for each one? Nobody. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone here today. Isn't that amazing? There is a gift of the Spirit or gifts of the Spirit for every single person. If you're not functioning in them today, it's not God's fault. It's not because He doesn't want it. It's because you're ignorant of it and not passionate for it. But God says these gifts are for the body of Christ. For to one it is given. And then Paul begins to outline the nine gifts of the Spirit that we would function in and understand how they operate. That collectively, as a body at Hope City Church, that all nine gifts of the Spirit would function every single week. Both in the meetings that we have together and externally throughout the week. That we would be able to testify each week of the working of miracles, of the gift of faith, of the gifts of healing, of discerning of spirits, of the gift of prophecy. Amen? 
His words are spirit and life. Remember what Paul said 2,000 years ago. It's like he's saying it for the first time today. So let's have a look at these gifts. We're going to outline the gifts really quickly. And listen, this is what I want you to do. As I read out the nine gifts very quickly, I want you to be sensitive and ask Holy Spirit, which one or ones are for me? And as that quickens in your heart, as you go through the prayer line today, the fire tunnel, claim them. Say, they're mine. I receive it by faith. Okay? So I want you to work with me today. So there are three, three gifts that reveal something. Put the next slide. These are the gifts of revelation. So the nine gifts are broken into three categories. The first category are the gifts that reveal something, the gifts of revelation. The first one of those three is the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge, if you can see that on the screen, is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning facts in the mind of God, facts about people, places or things, past or present. These are facts that you don't come up with in your head. In fact, there have been times when I've been preaching and I've said things out of my mouth. There have been a word of knowledge and I've not even known that I was going to say it. And after I've said it, I wondered what that was about and then just kept preaching. And someone in the, in the, in the crowd, in the audiences, has received a prophetic word that has solved their problems, or God has spoken a rema word that's unlocked the mind of God for them. We have the mind of Christ, and God wants to get that word of knowledge to flow, facts about things and people that we could never know in our own understanding. God will give you revelation so you understand. See, God knows, God has knowledge about every single thing, about all people, about all places, about all things, about your finances, your health. God will show you. This is a gift of the Holy Spirit for the body of Christ. The word of knowledge is a powerful gift. It ushers people into the kingdom. It shows people that God knows about them. It takes it out of the realm of, of, of just hearsay. So People say, well, I don't believe in God. But when God reads someone's mail, they know that he's alive. I want the word of knowledge functioning in my life. I need it in my life. Amen? Amen. So that's for someone today. The second gift, and you can read about the word of knowledge. You know, Jesus had word of knowledge with a woman at the well. He knew that she had five husbands. So it's an amazing gift. The second gift is the word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose and plan in the mind and will of God. It's future tense. The prophets of the Old Testament made predictions concerning the future. It can come through visions and dreams and prophetic words. God gave Noah a word of wisdom about the ark and the flood that was coming. So God will show you things to come. Doesn't John 16, 13 say that the Holy Spirit will show us things to come? That's a word of wisdom. He'll show you where the stock market's going. Maybe you don't want that, but I do. He'll show you what to invest in. He'll show you people to, to, to be attracted to. He'll show you circumstances that are coming. He, he will make a way where there seems to be no way. The people of God need to know what is ahead. The world has no idea. It's making it up as it goes. But we are the people that can be positioned in the right place because we have the mind of God for the future. 
The word of knowledge and word of wisdom often work together. The third gift is the gift of discerning of spirits, which reveals what spirit is motivating the attitude and actions of individuals. It gives supernatural insight into the spirit world. I'll give you an example. We had a woman come to this church. She was sent by the enemy. She was demonized. I didn't know she was here. She was sitting right over there. And I came up during the break. I hadn't seen this woman for over 17 years. She had a head down, a cap on, didn't even look at me. Someone introduced me to her. I put my hand out. As soon as she touched my hand, I was taken by the spirit instantly to 17 years ago. And I knew who she was. I saw her 17 years ago. And I thought, you're a troublemaker and you're not staying here. It's discerning of spirits. It, the Holy Spirit will show us what is behind or what is underneath people, the spirit motivating them. And she was sent by the enemy to break this church. She destroyed other churches and she came with an assignment to destroy this one. But the Holy Spirit knows all things. He'll reveal the intents of people. You need the gift of discerning of spirits before you choose your partner. Some people make terrible choices because they can't see the true intent of people's hearts. God, show me what this man or woman's going to be like in 20 years' time after I've married them. Show me what's inside their heart. Show me what spirit they carry. Show me who to get into business partnership with. Show me what friends to choose at school. It's the discerning of spirits. It's not to criticize people, but God will show you what spirit is motivating these people. Because some people look good on the outside, but inside, Thank you. Acts 16, 17, Paul had this gift. Remember that, that woman, she carried a python spirit, it said in the Greek, a spirit of divination. Paul was able to discern. She was saying these men are servants of the Most High God. You know, she was saying these great things, but she was a troublemaker and she'd been sent by the enemy. Just because people say Jesus is Lord and just because they, they lift up their hands and worship doesn't mean they love God. And it doesn't mean they haven't been sent by the enemy with an assignment to take you down. So I'm not saying that it's not the gift of suspicion. It's not that. So it's not like, uh, it's like we don't have to be weird about it. But Holy Spirit wants to show you what's going on around you. So many Christians are blind. They just take everything on face value. They function from here, not from here. That's why they end up by having dumb friends. Like, really? You couldn't see that? Anyway, three gifts that do something. They're called the power gifts. Number one, the gift of, sorry, number four, what's number one of that category, but it's the fourth gift. It's the gift of faith. 1 Corinthians 12 9 in the Amplified, it says, To another one is given the wonder working gift of faith. This gift is a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Ghost whereby you and I are empowered with special faith yeah. or wonder-working faith yeah. so we can believe God in such a way that, that he honours his word, sorry, honors their word as his own and he brings it to pass. The gift of faith causes me to take a promise from God, an instruction from God, and to hold it in my heart despite all the obstacles that say that will never, ever happen. It's a supernatural gift. It's not saving faith. It's a gift of faith where you are able to believe despite all the opposition. I believe Noah had that. 
when he built the ark, the gift of faith. It had never rained. It never flooded before. But God gave him a word and he built the ark for the saving of his household. It was a gift of faith that causes me to rise up. When everything says it can't happen, you know that it will happen. And that, that stance attracts the power of God into your circumstance. Persistent faith. Amen? Amen. Anybody want that? The gift of faith is a gift so we can receive miracles. Whereas the next gift, the working of miracles, is a gift to work miracles. So when Daniel was in the lion's den, God gave him the gift of faith so he could go and sit with the lions and not one of them consumed him. He didn't work a miracle, he just trusted in God and God did the work. His faith brought God into the circumstance. What an amazing gift. The working of miracles, number five. A miracle is defined as a supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature. So Elijah, uh, sorry, Elisha, he divided the Jordan River. He said, where is the God of Elijah? And he smote the waters and the rivers parted. The waters parted. That's the working of miracles. God's got that gift for people today. A supernatural gift. So you release the word of the Lord. It's your active aggressive faith that causes a miracle to occur. I've seen that work in my own life, and I'm sure many of you have as well. The gift of working of miracles. I set our backyard on fire, playing with petrol. As you do as a kid. The whole back fence was on fire. There was fire coming out the petrol container. It was melting. It was a full container of petrol melting plastic container, and I spoke the word of the Lord, and the whole thing just went out. It's a working of miracles. My mother would say it was her deep prayers. It's probably a combination of the two. But the working of miracles is when you speak the word of the Lord, and your power, your authority, causes God to move. It's an active faith. Number six, the gifts of healing are manifested for the supernatural healing of sickness and disease without any natural source or means that deliver people from Satan's sickness and disease. Disease and sickness does not belong in our bodies. Amen. It's a work of the enemy. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power and he went about doing good and healing all those who were afflicted of by the enemy because God was with him. It's an anointing from the Holy Ghost, the gifts of healings. So we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm praying for myself that I would move in the gifts of healings, that we would see the sick healed. We've seen that, haven't we? Just recently, we've seen God do amazing miracles. He's a miracle-working God. We just saw that last week when we were in New Zealand with Catch the Fire, people healed of long-term injuries, 25, 30 years, instantly healed by the power of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Three gifts that say something. We're almost finished. The gifts of utterance in the King James. Number uh, seven is, or number one of the three gifts that say something, is the gift of prophecy. Philip had four daughters that prophesied. What an amazing thing, eh? Would you like to be in their house? It's a supernatural utterance in a known tongue, given for edification, exhortation and comfort. 
And the people of God begin to prophesy the word of the Lord. And as they do that, things begin to shift in the spirit realm and we see a manifestation in the natural realm. I truly believe that the gift of prophecy is going to become more and more prevalent in God's people. We're going to see as the prophetic word is released, Acts 2 says that as we prophesy, miracles, signs and wonders are released. As we prophesy into the spirit realm, in your workplace, when you come up against circumstances like Brent was talking about today, when you come up against a, a, a wall and you can't break through, ask the Holy Spirit to anoint you and begin to declare the prophetic word of the Lord for your circumstance. Release it into the spirit realm and watch God move. Yeah. Amen? Amen? It says... In Psalm 46.6, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, but God uttered his voice and the earth melted. Did you hear that? The nations raised, raged, the kingdoms were moved, but God uttered his voice and the earth melted. The enemy may be raging against your life today, but the moment you utter your voice with the word of the Lord, everything's going to melt away. God will begin to work. That's why I say to you when you come to church and throughout the week, open your mouth. God's people are sometimes the most silent people. I'm worshipping. No, no. To prophesy, you have to open your mouth and speak the word of the Lord. Do you remember, if you read the Old Testament, it has this phrase, and the word of the Lord was silent yeah. in those days. What a terrible time for God's people when the word of the Lord wasn't being released. Nobody was hearing and nobody was speaking. So when we come together, it's an invitation for us to speak into the atmosphere. Well, yeah, we're seeing the back. You know, here's the light of the world. This is not just for you. We're prophesying over our city that God's light's coming. So, so don't, don't stay outside or come late and go, well, oh, worship's not really important. No, we are, we are prophesying. We are releasing the word of the Lord into the spirit realm so God can begin to move. First in the spirit realm, and then it flows to the natural. Amen. So that's prophecy. Tongues and, and interpretation. I grew up seeing this all the time in church. It doesn't seem to be so prevalent today. But tongues and interpretation together... Equal prophecy. So sometimes God will come to us with a tongue, which is a supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue. So it's not just our personal spirit language, but we'll sense a welling up in our spirit, and God will begin to speak through us throughout our spiritual tongue, and it'll be, you'll know that you're delivering a word of the Lord, but it won't make sense. No one will be able to understand it. And either you or somebody else, because the ninth gift, gift is the interpretation of tongues, somebody will interpret what is being said. So we used to run encounter nights where I would get people to pray for somebody. We have three people, one being prayed for, one who would wait on the Lord until they felt an unction in their spirit, a moving in their spirit, and they begin to deliver a prophetic tongue over that person. And as they did that, the other person would listen and ask God for an interpretation. And then we would all talk and see whether we were all getting the same thing. 
That's what it's about. So sometimes God comes with a spiritual tongue and then there's an interpretation. And we all get to understand what God was saying in the spirit realm. It's with the tongues of angels, the tongues of heaven. So we're able, so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that we can pray in the spirit and we can pray in the understanding. So whatever's been articulated in the spirit, God wants us to understand in the natural. Amen? Amen. So there are nine gifts. Revelation, power, and utterance. And they're all for us. Think of that. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. I think I'll take all three. Gift of faith, working of miracles. Think about that. The gift of faith. I reckon that gift so honors God. That defying all that the enemy does, we say, I choose to believe. That's what Abraham had. Despite all natural hope being God, gone, in hope he believed. He took on all the power of hell and says, I choose to believe. What an amazing gift. The working of miracles, the gifts of healing. The power gifts, the gifts of utterance, prophecy, tongues and interpretation. These are all gifts that didn't cease when the apostles died. These are gifts for the body of Christ to give us the tools that we need to get the job done. That validate the reality of Jesus. That bring glory to the Father. While there are works of the enemy on the earth, the body of Christ will need to be equipped with the tools of heaven to get the job done. Anybody can preach a sermon. Really. Maybe not a good one, but they can preach. (laughs) But what the world is longing for, and I say this to myself, is a demonstration and an encounter with God. So when we pray for people, there's a deposit of God left in them. And I've done that. I know many of you have done it. We pray for people at work. And as we lay hands on them, they begin to shake under the power of God because yeah. they encounter God and they know He's real. And that's what we need today are the gifts of the Spirit flowing through our lives. So as I've been speaking, at least one of the gifts are a grace gift for your life. The gifts are literally grace drops from the ocean of God's vast ability. And he says, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. I'll give you another one and another one. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We just take it by faith and we desire it. We say, Lord, I desire the gifts. Thank you for them. But if you can live without them, you're in trouble. But the Holy Spirit's knocking. I want my three loaves. I want the body of Christ functioning. I want to teach you how to operate in the gifts. I'm real. I'm not just some blob in the corner. I am a real person and I'll come and I'll teach you and I'll train you how to operate and flow in the gifts of Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's not some abstract force. And he's been speaking to me lately about not making him some sort of, you know, steamy mist in the corner. He's a real person. 
And he has gifts that he wants to give to us. He wants to work with us. He wants to teach us how to operate together with him. Amen? Amen. So right now, Father, we posture our hearts to receive the gifts of the Spirit in our life. Like Naaman, we'll keep dipping until we get it. Until we feel like there's been a deposit in our heart. So today, we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Today, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today, we receive our healing, our deliverance, our breakthrough. Whatever it is that you need today, we receive it by faith. We hunger after you today. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. So we press in. We press in, Lord. And Lord, by faith we receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name.